0: This is exactly right. Hello. Hello. And
1: welcome to My Favorite Murder, Celebrity Hometowns Edition. That's
0: right. You bag them, we tag them,
1: those (laughs) celebrities.
0: (laughs) You know how you love celebrities. Well, we've rounded them up for you. That's right. And we're going to make them tell you stories to pass the time. Right.
1: So these are their hometowns that you guys send in all the time for our minisodes that have just become so fun and flirty and wild and (laughs) about pretty much anything from the murder or true crime story from your hometown that started it all for you, or your grandma was a badass who like shot her first husband or whatever, like... Any stuff found in walls,
0: you know. Something that happened to you walking home during fifth grade. That's Whatever right. it takes to get you to tell us a story, yeah. that's we want to hear it. That's right. Just has to be true. Well, uh, <laughs> 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 so we brought our friends along on the ride. We have a very special guest for you today. So exciting. You know her because her most recent comedy special... Michelle Buteau, welcome to Bootopia. won the 2021 Critics Choice Award for Best Comedy Special. Her book, Survival of the Thickest, came out last year. She is on all kinds of stuff. The First Wives Club, Aquafina is Nora from Queens. You've seen her everywhere. I think she's still the host of the circle, but we'll have to ask her about it. Ladies and gentlemen, you know her from clubs and colleges all over the country. It's Michelle Buteau. <laughs>
1: Yay! Hi, Hi! Hi, you guys.
2: How are you? Very good.
1: Now that you're here.
2: Oh, hey. (laughs) Am I flirting? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. I hate to watch you leave, but I love to watch you walk away. Is that how I'm so bad at flirting? Pull my finger, little lady. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Did it hurt when you fell out of heaven into what seems to be your wardrobe closet? Because you're surrounded by outfits right now. That's not the pickup line, but I mean, <laughs> but you're I was trying in, to kind of segue it into what is, what's going on? You're in your closet. Yep.
2: Um, this is the, yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It felt like that my internet was freezing because I am in my closet, mm-hmm. but not spiritually and emotionally. I am out, 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 out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel bad because our friend Guy Branum hit me up a couple months ago. He was like, hey, someone's doing an article on bisexual women. And I'm like, I am honored that you thought <laughs> I was a bisexual woman. <laughs> that means my allyship means something, honey. But no. That's right. I am That's a right. boring cisgender. Is that disappointing
1: sometimes? It
2: is. Like, I don't feel like a
1: straight person.
0: I feel like that's boring. And these days, it's all about representing the fluidity and everybody gets to be exactly what they want. And if there's anyone who is exactly who they want to be, I feel it is Michelle Buteau. Absolutely. So, <laughs> I take, yeah, I would. I, I always take that as a compliment. People are like, oh, my friend is so in love with you and it's a girl. And I'm like, great. Yes. <laughs> Add them to the pile.
2: <laughs> it means they have good taste. That's right. Yes. I'm doing it right. The irony that I'm actually doing your show from my closet is probably my 12-year-old, like my seventh grade, what? English is my first language. Here we go. But um, when I was in seventh grade and I was like a size 12, when I was 12, I only had like three shirts that I would wear to whenever my Catholic school had like a street day, like you can wear your street clothes, civilian clothing. And I only had three shirts. And my dad's like, you don't need another shirt. There's no holes in these shirts. So I would end up wearing his clothes and like belt it with like one of his ties or Yes. You know, so I love that I I just have this closet now full of plus size clothing because the fashion industry has deemed me worthy of spending
0: my money. Well, seriously, <laughs> they finally woken up and been like, oh, that's right. Women who don't wear... Single digit clothing would love a blouse that doesn't have huge daisies all over it. Like, where it's, uh, they dress us like clowns constantly, where it's like, yeah, how about some style? We're the ones that need it. Yes. I don't want to look like the big five at a safari, honey. <laughs> Please help us. So, wait. Am I wrong that you're still hosting The Circle?
2: Still hosting The Circle, still going strong. Three seasons are up on Netflix right now that you could watch. And um, we just got signed on for two more seasons. So it'll be five Woo. seasons of The Circle. I'm very excited. Yes. Yeah. Plus like voiceover work is the bomb diggity ill nana. Right. Oh my God. We <laughs> it's the easiest best.
1: We have this <laughs> these characters, these like rad gothic teens that we do the voices for on Craig of the Creek. We show up. In fucking pajamas, basically. Mm -hmm. Say our own voices with words that were written by someone else. (laughs) We say our
2: own voices proudly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, tell it, sis. Yes. Yeah. Apparently. I get you. I don't know where my brain is.
0: (laughs) It's the best. It is. It is the best. And then you don't have to worry about, can I find a shirt that that somehow tricks the eye or whatever? It's like, all of that's off the table. It is a joy forever. It's
2: true. And what's so great about the show too is that it's like 10 or 11 episodes that I get to just sort of peek in and watch people be in these apartments and try to like play this social media game of strategy to be the most popular person, but without being like too loud and proud. It's so fun Mm -hmm. to watch. And I feel like I know them. So by the time I meet them at the finale, they're like- I know you. And I'm like, I know you. Like, Aww. I know what you've had for breakfast for the last two weeks. <laughs> Which sounds really creepy now that I say it out loud.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's peeping Tom behavior. You're <laughs> peeping Michelle is what they should rename that show.
2: I know. Peeping Tatiana. I make money for it. Al, <laughs> live your journey.
1: Hey. Okay. <laughs> hey, speaking of journeys... We bet. You, how's that segue? You like that? Ooh, are
2: you a mall cop? Because you got a segue. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes, I am. Uh, That's my night job. (laughs) We heard you probably have a a hometown story, meaning you have a story that you can tell us.
2: Any kind of story? Yes. So it's so interesting because um, I sort of redefine what hometown means to me because I call myself the Khaleesi of Jersey because I was born in the North, (laughs) raised in Central, lived in the South. And I was just like, got to get out of Jersey. And so (laughs) this story happened when I was actually living in New York City. But this was also the year that I moved to New York City from Miami because I went to college there. and My parents ended up following me because I'm good company and the only child. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Therapy today. You guys get five (laughs) out of five stars on ZocDoc. This is it. (laughs) This is it, baby. (laughs) And I'm usually doing therapy in my closet or the car, oddly enough. (laughs) So, yeah, I um, started working in the news and I moved to New York City. I was working at NBC editing for the local news, and I actually started comedy that year. Uh, September 14th, three days after September 11th. But there was a story in the news that just hit different. And it was about Sandra Levy, this intern in DC who was dating a married. Was he? He was some sort of like democrat he was some dude, right? Yeah. yeah. And he was married. He should not be dating her because she was in her early twenties. And um I remember her picture vividly because she was a white girl with curly hair. And I was like, Oh, she gets the struggle and we would have been friends. Yeah. <laughs> and she went missing. And that's like My worst nightmare: just people not knowing. And this is before like find my iPhone, before like tracing any sort of. We didn't have maps in our phone back then. I don't even think. I think I had
0: a flip phone or a BlackBerry. I think. Yeah, I think it was. It may have been pre-cell phones, right?
2: I think so. And so some people had them, but most people didn't. Yeah, how did we even do Blackberries? I mean, those things. (laughs) Those buttons were so teeny tiny, and. (laughs) My fingers look like I had gout every time I try to use a Blackberry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The King's disease. (laughs) Remember T9 texting too, where you would have to, kids don't know these days, where you'd have to hit the fucking thing three times to get to the letter that you want to do.
0: Oh, yeah, to get to your letter. That's right. Yes. Uh, Everything took a half an hour. Yeah.
2: That's why we're so patient, you know, because we really (laughs) had, we actually had to wait for it. Yeah. (laughs) So Sandra Levy. Yeah, she dated this guy. She wasn't supposed to be dating. She went missing. Nobody knew. The police were just dropping balls left, right, and center. Her parents couldn't get anybody on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, this is before I started protesting. Because I'm I'm like, I cover the news. I don't like
0: become part of it. Yeah, because she was like a career woman herself. We should clearly like out on her own, on the rise, and then just disappearing. And then this... Boyfriend who had more power than her, who is basically kind of pulling the strings. I think I covered that one yeah. probably a couple of years ago. And the thing really, yeah, yeah, because I remember that too. There's really nothing like seeing someone relatively your age where it's like, no one knows where this person is. She has this huge full life, she has all these friends, and she's disappeared, and they can't get the boyfriend to say anything. Yes. And it's as if that's all there is to it, where it's like, wait a fucking second, someone has to do something. And that was all the DC power shit. But then it
1: turned out though, because they said they focused on that scandal, right? And they got all into his life and what he was doing. Meanwhile, totally ignoring that there was this missing woman. And it turned out that boyfriend had nothing to do with it, right?
2: I mean, supposedly, yeah, they took some dude from El Salvador who had also been arrested for two or three attacks in the same park where her remains were found, but right. so many balls dropped. Yes. Yes. And it's just like, I am not returning something to Target bitch. Do you know? Like I am trying yes. to find my daughter. Tick tick right. tock. Yes. So I yes. I can only imagine how frustrating that that was. And not only did she have this powerful boyfriend, you know, that was calling the shots, 9-11 happened.
0: Right. That kind of swept everything else out of the new. It was almost like no one could figure out how to care about every other problem when there was just this kind of life-changing, reality-changing thing that happened. 100%. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It
1: sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch.
0: That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound it madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye.
1: Michelle, I didn't know that you lived there in New York at the time. What, was it just this disturbing, quiet, sad? I mean, what was it like then? For 9-11? Yeah.
2: yeah. It was pretty wild. So I moved to New York City on St. Patrick's Day, 2001, and I have a vivid memory of walking over Green Vomit to go to Rockefeller Center <laughs> And I was like, this isn't, no one's in church. We're just all drinking.
0: And yeah. um, <laughs> no one's in church. No one's in church. It's a saint's day. It's a, it's a holy feast of St. Patrick. I yes. forgot about that. You, yeah. Didn't he
2: come to Ireland and say they should have potatoes? Look, I'm bad at storytelling, <laughs> but you guys are good at it. But <laughs> was 9-11 great. was crazy. I remember being out September 10th having a few drinks at a pub surprise meeting a really cute english guy making out with him going to work and then 911 also happened at 911 a.m. Mm. and i was supposed to be off 9:30 a.m. and then i ended up staying till i think 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. Mm. and it was one of those wild things where i really felt like i was in a horror movie because when you edit the news, you never expect... You see like a house fire, but you never see the people in there. Yeah. Yes. And this was like you saw people jumping. And you were like, is this an accident? What it We were all figuring out it out in real time between the Pentagon and then another plane. And I remember my news director was like, you guys can stay at your own risk or leave at your own will. I'm not forcing you to do anything. And I... Had my mom on speakerphone keeping me company while trying to edit. And I'm like, Mom, I'm going to stay. Like, that was my instinct. I have to stay. Wow. And she was like, I'm going to stay on the phone with you. And so it was a really a blackout moment. And then my friend that I was out drinking with, she came for her next shift, her shift the next day. And I just remember her patting me uh, on my shoulder. And she was like, Go home now. And it felt like I just melted. Mm-hmm. And I walked down the street to go home. I on 56th and 9th, and it was just empty, but still chaotic. And the next day, I remember my news director was like, We're gonna get everybody therapy because this is gonna be a really crazy time. Wow. And I I don't even fucking know why. I was just like, I don't need therapy. I'm gonna start stand up. Oh, and then shit. I did stand up. Oh. Because like I know, and therapy's so expensive, I should have gotten it. But um <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and then I did my first stand-up class September 14th. Well, I did my first stand-up show September 14th, 2001. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. I need classes. What is this? But I still loved it and got classes at American Comedy Institute. Steve Rosenfeld, he's great if you guys ever want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for three months, I did not go food shopping at all. I just worked 12 to 16-hour shifts, ate food at work. Doing stand-up was really therapeutic. Yeah, just basically editing a horror movie. It's like, can I have thirty seconds of B-roll with no body parts? And it's just like,
0: oh,
2: a Michelle, yeah. I
0: had no. I didn't know you
2: did that. Yeah, and I can I, only talk about it now because it's like, yeah. But before, I didn't talk about this for like at least fifteen years. Wow. Wait,
0: did you ever? end up going to therapy? Like, did you finally <laughs> pick up that offer? Or you were just like, it's all gonna go on stage?
2: Oh, it's gone. I should call them up right now even though I haven't worked there in forever. I'm um, <laughs> like, hey, yeah. you up? That yeah. offer? Because so, I think so, I need it now. Yeah.
1: Actually, my bad. And it's so true, I think, for a lot of comedians. I'm not one, but it would seem like comedy, stand-up comedy is therapeutic, right? Like you go up there to work through some shit in a humorous way, like Karen and I do on this podcast too. It's like, here's the way I get through stuff. Yeah. Therapy right now, it's too like, it's too front and center for me to unwrap this I'm I'm living in it right now. So why am I going to go through it? I just need to ignore it.
0: Yeah. It feels like that it makes sense that you wouldn't be able to start processing something that you have to still be in the middle of as your job.
2: Yeah. And I was lucky enough to not even lose someone, but it's also every year editing the memorial and it's being so close to it. And it's, you know, now performing for people who are 22 years old and don't even know anything about it performing in the middle of the country where it just feels like something somebody's seen on TV. Mm. You know, I liken it to racism because I'm like, no, no, this is real. I know that you've never seen it in your five mile radius, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so when I try to explain these things to people like at a dinner party without them rolling their fucking eyes, I'm just like, just take two whole minutes to even think what it would be like to look like someone else in another neighborhood Mm -hmm. because that's like the problem I'm always facing. It's exhausting already going through it, but it's even more exhausting trying to tell someone that it's real. And so Mm -hmm. I couldn't find it on stage and I kind of like didn't want to. And so that's why I was really thankful for the book because I was able to put it in the book. Survival of the Thickest. Survival of the Thickest, Mm -hmm. plus size essays in a (laughs) small-minded world. I love
0: it. Mm. Wow, incredible. I have chills, Michelle. I love it. Like, what a story. That's quite something. You were on the front lines of culturally one of the hardest things that everyone has gone through. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, people sort of getting back to like the flip phones, don't even know why we do what we do now. Why do you think you have to go through security at the airport? We didn't have to before. We didn't have to take, yeah. um, like, electronics out of our bag and our shoes off. Shoes. Like, yeah. we're different. You could bring water. Yes, you could bring liquids. You could bring your breast milk and not be accosted. Like, <laughs> we're different, you know? And so I think 20 years from now, I don't know what life is going to look like with COVID but we're different. Right. Yes. Forever now. Yeah. And so totally. yeah, I mean, it's um it's a mind fuck. Yeah. But I mean, good friends, good food, good wine and um, healthy kids help.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And laughing. Laughing. I, one of my favorite memories of comedy was when we were at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival together. Oh, I've got my check still
2: never went through. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is where we discovered Canadian Kit Kats. It was a whole experience that me (laughs) and Michelle and... Butcher had together this weekend. And she was usually headlining, you know, it would be, it was basically like these eight, 10, 12 person shows. You'd just be sitting backstage for hours. And every time everyone would go watch Michelle and she, I don't think you did the same joke twice the entire time we were there. It was so much crowd work. So I just was so blown away by you. And it's like, you are the kind of person that can make everybody laugh all the time. Like, everybody, anywhere. We're in the middle of fucking Winnipeg. It's freezing cold. <laughs> Everyone's
2: got Band-Aids on their face. I'm like, what in the Duck Dynasty? Did you just come from flipping a cow? This is confusing. I had to do crowd work because it was the same people at each show, and they were all related somehow. I was like, this is crazy. This is just so insane. And and they go by RB now. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they go by RB now, and RB killed it. I had never met them before until that festival. If we festival. want to call if we want to call that a festival.
0: festival. No
2: shade, Winnipeg. <laughs> Don't come for me, Winnipeg. But, but I just remember really adorable Zaddies and Bush lesbians coming up to RB at the time and being like, "I feel so seen." And I was like, "What in the Ellen DeGeneres is going on?" Like all of it was so
0: good in Winnipeg. I love yes. that. It was. Really a cool, there was something going on that weekend where it was like, everyone was kind of on their game, but then we found this little, our own sub click. Yes. I was just like, these are the people I need to spend this weekend with. These are the people that are making me happy as opposed to sometimes that comedy feeling where you're like, everyone's your rival yeah. or yeah. you don't compliments hit wrong or yeah. vibe, vibe, vibe or whatever. And instead it was just like, where are my people? There they are. Okay, great. I can, now I can land over here on Truly. this horrible leather couch.
2: <laughs> I was like, we'll always have Winnipeg. If I go through our group text, real. it's just pictures of like, Canadian Kit Kats and like potato chips. Like, I don't know. It was really fun. I mean, only because you guys were there. It was beautiful. Why do people have band-aids on their face? It was confusing. (laughs) Is it
0: wind chill? (laughs) It was so cold that they had to bandage their faces. It could have been that. And also, I really loved the vibe. It was so deeply Canadian there, which was kind of like, Whatever you're about to bring us that's good. Like we're we're happy just to have some kind of entertainment. It's like people with their grandparents. I felt like there was a lot of like three generations of a family were there to watch you? Oh, there was.
2: There was a lot of like, I could have been a contender, Joan Rivers type bitches. Where (laughs) it's just like, am I doing amazing crowd work or is this like a setup for Canada's Got Talent? Because then they would come (laughs) up and be like, I got a song in my heart. And and I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck is going on? you'd be walking down the street, somebody with a bandit on their face would be like, I heard you met my
0: grandma. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Yes, yes. You go to like to the one restaurant that everyone would go to, and then people would be like, "I want to buy you pizza," where it sounds
2: good. I don't. Whatever you want. Confusing. I think it was the same mic for all three different venues. It was.
0: (laughs) It was a DIY. It was a DIY. It was a DIY where true and real friendships were built. DIY. Are we here to have a party?
1: (laughs) 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 To really do it. To really do it.
2: I love it. So
1: good, guys! Oh my God, Michelle, we've been all over the place, and it's been magical, Michelle. You can—it's the best. I—you could just talk at me. Actually, everyone, (laughs) download Michelle's audiobook. That's a great way to have her talk at you. Survival of the
0: thickest. Yes. I mean, and then just, yes, please. Oh, wait. If you are in New York City on November 13th, you can go see Michelle at the Town Hall Theater, um, which is part of the New York Comedy Festival. She will be headlining because since she worked really hard at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, she is now headlining at the New York Comedy Festival. That's how it works. Mama, I made it. <laughs> I made it at the big time. Band-Aids ripping off, everybody cheering.
1: So crazy. Uh, And y'all can also find her at Michelle Buteau on Twitter and Instagram. Where she's just darling and wonderful, just and trying my best. Fuck! Thank you so much for being on here. Yes,
0: we love you very much. Oh
2: my goodness! I love getting into bed with you, bitches. It was so fun. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Hey, my body's like a tempopedic mattress. <laughs> Put a glass of wine on it. <laughs> it will not tip. <laughs> Go jump, jump. <laughs> I want you guys at home to know that Michelle is cracking her
0: chest <laughs> She's forward. She's popping her titties for us. I'm cat
2: Cowan. I'm cat Cowan. Yes. <laughs> we Yay. love you. Thank you so much, Thank you, Michelle. Michelle. Bye, bitches. Goodbye. Bye. Elvis, do you want
1: a cookie?
0: This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Our associate producer is Alejandra Keck. Engineered and mixed by Andrew Epen. Send us your hometowns at myfavoritemurder@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
1: Follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder.
0: For more information about the podcast, live shows, merch, or to join the fan cult, go to myfavoritemurder.com.
1: And please rate, review, and subscribe. Goodbye. Goodbye.